crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Hey everyone. Millions of women each year find themselves in a situation in their careers where they start to feel stuck. Sometimes that means they're trying to transition into a different industry. Maybe it's re-entering the workforce or even move up in the industry they're already in. That's why Lisa Skeet Tatum created Landit, which you could call LinkedIn for Women. We'll talk about why she's tackling this problem, how she's gotten through her own inflection point, and much, much more. I'm Kip Bodner, and this is The Growth Show. You're an engineer by trade, but you've, you've been to business school, you've been a VC, you've done a bunch of interesting things. Talk to me about like how you see your career and the work that you've done. Sure. In many ways, I would say my career is not unlike what we see today with people having many inflection points, many evolution points. Right. And so, yes, I start off as a chemical engineer. I still get mad props from my kids from understanding uh, math and science. So, yes, I started life off as a chemical engineer working for P&G and engineering and product development. And then I got my first taste of uh, entrepreneurship when they started acquiring cosmetic businesses. And I raised my hand to be a part of that. And then I got recruited to a way to join a startup, and that's where I caught the bug. <laughs> and we had a month and a year to launch a line of 600 products. And at the end, I was like, gosh, this is great. How do I do this for more companies? <laughs> right. And someone said, well, what about venture capital? And I'm like, well, what the heck is that? I'm from North New Jersey, not a lot of VC going on there. And they said, well, uh, these are kind of the parameters, and you need to go back to business school. And I was like, okay, that's great. So I applied, and I got in, and I turned to my husband and said, what are you going to do? And he applied, and he got in, and we went together. <laughs> and our Oh, that's fascinating. Day- Yes, it was great. And our very first day, I actually met Sheila Marcello, who is my co-founder and landed. Mm-hmm. But I went back to business school to do VC. And when I graduated, I joined a firm doing early stage healthcare technology. And after about a decade, I say that I found myself living this double life where I had my VC day job, but I've always been committed to creating access for others. But I was doing that through my board work. And I said, there's got to be a way to combine the two. And that's when I got stuck because I had no idea what that looked like. Everyone expected me to know. It felt really darn crappy. (laughs) And as so many of us, we think we're the only ones. But I was fortunate enough at the time to be president of the HBS Alumni Board. They were celebrating 50 years of women. There was an amazing event. And I realized as that event was progressing that I wasn't the only one, that not only were there amazing women at that conference who were also at an inflection point, But by the way, we don't want anyone to know that we are there, that we don't have it figured out, Uh, but that there were millions of women who would either find themselves in a company trying to figure out how to more successfully navigate, or maybe they were somewhere feeling stuck, which is where I was and not sure how to get out of it. Or maybe they were looking for what's next and just realizing how challenging those inflection points are. So much so we have the largest number of professional, educated women not firing on all cylinders. And so that was kind of my story. And I was like, gosh, we got to fix this. (laughs) We have to come up with a solution that enables women to be able to path and more successfully navigate their careers. But by the same side, helping companies invest and retain and develop that 
amazingly diverse talent that they want to leverage in the workplace. You said something pretty interesting there, which was like, we were all there and we didn't want to admit that we were looking for help and trying to figure out the next thing. Yeah. How do you get people to, to realize that? I mean, that's, that's, like, that's what the, mm-hmm. the mission you're out to solve. I've got to imagine like, that's a big part of the challenge here. Absolutely. Well, people know, right? Because as I said, <laughs> it feels really crappy. You know when you're stuck. Yeah. And what we say and what I think we've all personally experienced is it's not for lack of motivation or skill or track record. It is not knowing where to start. And in many ways, not even knowing what you don't know. And you can't play the game if you don't know the rules. That anxiety, that feeling not the best or not as confident comes from not having the access and not knowing the rules and having the playbook. So our goal to address what we believe is a market failure, it's not a supply issue or demand issue, is to essentially democratize career access and success to give each person kind of that recipe. What are the key elements for success? But believe me, you know when you're stuck. <laughs> but <laughs> you can actually feel it coming on. <laughs> uh, totally. I, I have been there. I think everybody listening to this conversation right now has been there at one mm-hmm. one point or another. And you're right. It feels crappy. It's like, there's no really mm-hmm. other way to describe it. Uh, yes, but that scientific term. Crappy. I know. I know. Yes. It's We're very eloquent today. Um, <laughs> Okay, so like the whole, the whole crux of, of this though is that people get stuck and they and they need and they need help. Do you mm-hmm. do you think there's a way to avoid getting stuck in your career, or do you think it's just inevitable? Mm-hmm. It just happens. I think there are varying degrees of pro- stuckness. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, that's good. Yes, yes, and I did just I want to coin that word. There you go. Uh, and so I think it is as I said, you don't just wake up one day and say this isn't working or I'm feeling stuck. It real it could be. I love this company and I'm in a position and I want to keep moving forward or I want to keep being challenged, but I don't have the framework in which to do that. Or maybe there's something holding me back that I don't know, or maybe I truly am stuck or, or I'm in transition. And so I think it's inevitable that we all will reach these points. The question is, what do you do when you're there and then how far and to what degree? And as I said, if you if you know that you're there, but you don't have, quote, a lifeline and you don't have a path or you don't have the access, because many times it's really about the access, then that's when it becomes prolonged or you get motivated mm-hmm. or you drop out or you prematurely you know, make a change. And so our goal is we want people to be engaged. We want people to feel as if they can bring their full selves to the workplace, wherever they may be. And the way you do that is to provide that personalized support where I don't have a social cost for being vulnerable. And that's also the beauty of technology of your playbook, which is I can be vulnerable to get to the breakthrough that I'm looking for. And I can reach the tools without wondering, gosh, where do I start? And are they good? And (laughs) who are these people? So our brand payment, our payoff is you don't have to think about that because you're gonna get the best at landed. Well, and, and getting started is always the hardest part when you're stuck, yes. right? <laughs> That's the biggest question. Where do I start? And it doesn't matter how junior or how senior you are. No. We see it time and time again. What do you think companies are getting wrong when it comes to that challenge? Like, slash, what do you think they can do better? Like, you're mm-hmm. obviously very close to this issue more than anybody else. So I feel like you've got some mm-hmm. unique insight here. I don't know if I would phrase it as getting wrong. I think one is having a scalable, integrated solution. I think many companies make lots and lots of bets, Mm -hmm. and it's hard for them to measure the payoff. 
I think many times they're being asked to do a lot of different things, including people coming in saying, you know, help me manage my career. And even though they may want to, they can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so what we realize is we're not only solving the pain for the individual, we want to be a solution for you know, that person and diversity or more often not the head of HR or of learning and development, which is make it turnkey and easy for them to focus on what matters, which is the investment and the progression of the woman. So I think it is that absence of a turnkey solution that has been the problem that they can measure. And because we are technology, you can measure and you can see. And because we do it at a price point, now coaching, for instance, where it's normally, let's just say, quite expensive and reserved for those who are in the C-suite or on their way, now through Landed, they can bring that to anyone earlier on on the platform. Or even that know-how, as I said, about your board and your brand. The number one thing that companies ask me to do is to talk to the women on executive presence. And it accounts for 25% of your success and do you progress. But if you're not getting the feedback, you don't know the tools, it's almost like you're, you're behind mm-hmm. before you even start. <laughs> and so, again, part of it is bringing that learning and those tools and that skill development all in one lovely package mm-hmm. <laughs> that essentially gives you bite-sized progress. So, yeah, bite-sized, the notion of bite-sized progress is interesting. You know, when you, I feel like when you're feeling stuck, you you just want to feel some momentum forward. That's exactly right. Right. So like, how do you? What, what does bite sized mm-hmm. progress look like? Sure. So I'll give you one example. So one thing that we are adamant about that is proven for anyone. And by the way, let me just say, we don't develop tools for women. We develop tools for success. We just happen to be focused on women. So one thing that we have. Uh, one of our most successful features is this notion of keeping track of your weekly accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And I just did a uh, talk at Makers, and across the board, maybe 10% of the people in the world do that, but you must do it, right? Whether it is what's your contribution at work, or maybe to your brand, or maybe to your skill. But this notion of keeping track of what you're bringing to the party so that at the end, you don't suffer from LIFO, right? Last in, first out. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about advocating for yourself or looking at how you're spending your time, are you spending a disproportionate amount of your time doing housekeeping projects? Or are you moving forward, uh, you know, towards whatever your goal is? Like that is something that is so small. But when you think about negotiation, when you think about planning, when you think about your contributions, it's huge. So Mm -hmm. that is uh, one example. Or starting with our brand quiz so that you know, based on those 12 things, where are you? And then what are your action plans coming out of it? Or now it's been, you know, 60 days. It's time to reach out to your sponsor. And here's your script. So it literally is about this integration of, in many ways, what are the daily habits or weekly habits of successful people? Mm -hmm. And how do we bring them to you and allow you to action on them? You're you're trying to give people advice, but you're also trying to give them a playbook to just be a successful human, regardless Mm -hmm. of, of anything else. Yeah. If all we did was give, quote, advice, this would not be, uh, this is, this isn't my life's work, right? Right. Even our name is in action because people want results. And so, as you said, this notion of progress, I am moving towards something. So everything that we do is with the notion of action, moving you forward towards a goal, because there's lots of content out there, right? There's lots and lots and lots of stuff, but how do you make it relevant for the individual to actually be able to do something with that. And so that's our goal is to take it to the next level of, okay, 
Now, now I know what to do, right? Besides just putting one foot in right. front of the other. Now I know that what I am doing is purposeful and it's moving me somewhere. How do you how do you do that at scale? Like you're like, oh well, we're here to provide people that guidance, that leadership that they need. But you know, it's really easy to do that in a one on one setting. But you guys are trying to do that at a really massive scale. So how do you, how do you actually deliver on that? That's exactly right. So our secret sauce is the fact that we do knit together those key elements. And it's not the entire world, but it's what have we learned either by sponsorship, by being in the right place at the right time, or through a series of hard knocks. And we believe that the key solution is to have the leverage of technology where you can drive the personalization, where you can do the pathing forward, and also introduce at the right time those human elements. So for us, the key components are first, we start out by asking about the woman because you can't be relevant, you can't make recommendations, and you can't move someone if you don't know anything about them. So yeah. we start by asking you know, your background, your interests, your motivators. And we then use that to say, well, based on what you've told us, not one size fits all, but one size fits one. These are not only the careers, but these are the opportunities that fit with you. So we're able to bring those opportunities, whether they're internal or external, to the person. We then have this whole piece on personal brand because women, unfortunately, notoriously undersell themselves. And if you don't tell your story well, if you don't frame your accomplishments, your contributions, and even your failures, not only do you look risky, you don't even get a shot. So this notion of investing in yourself as a brand, making sure that your story is such that people want you in the room, it's not just what they say about you when you're not in the room, it's what do they say about you that they want to have you in that room. So we, we've knit together what we believe are the 12 key elements that everyone needs. The other piece that we have has to do with your network, right? Because in the end, particularly as you progress and it becomes more challenging, it's really about leveraging your network. So it's not about having 50,000 connections, but how do you codify your network? Who's your sponsor? Who's your mentor? Who's your point expert? And then we enable you to have the right script at the right cadence. And then there's learning and there's coaching and helping you tell your online story. But we knit that together in a way that literally passed you through. Do this and then do this and then do this. Because it's that formula, it's that playbook that's missing. Not the talent, not the opportunity, and certainly not the motivation. Okay, so you talked about network. So, uh, well, the, the interesting thing there is one of the things that everybody's, you were talking about how your husband and you both decided to go to business school together, which is, is really interesting. There are a bunch yes, of people who are- for the price of two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Extra cost. Um, yeah. There are a bunch of people listening who are probably mulling that same decision. And, you know, it's not something I think we've ever really addressed well on the show. When is the right time to go to business school? When isn't it? And like, how did that experience change your network? So it's definitely a very personal decision. Uh, for us, it was pretty clear. For me, it was I had a goal, which is I wanted to break into an industry that I had, I don't even know if it's zero, let's just say negative connections <laughs> in. Sure, right. <laughs> and also coming from a consumer product. So for me, it was about the skill, but it was also about a network into an industry that I was on a mission to, to be a part of. Uh, the great thing is going with my husband, who, by the way, was also in consumer products, but wanted to be in sports. So it was the same thing, which is how do you not only get the learning, but also um, the network or the access to those circles or to those networks. So for us, it made perfect sense. 
And the fact that we were married in the same study group, that helped as well. So <laughs> That doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> exactly. So for us, it was a no-brainer, an absolute no-brainer. So I think when you ask how do people make that decision, it is, in many ways, it's a cost-benefit analysis, right? Yeah. Will you benefit from the knowledge? Are you trying to do a pivot or an acceleration? <laughs> and then finding the place that's going to provide you with that, that fit. So HBS fit very, very well with us. And fortunately, they took us both. <laughs> Otherwise, we may have been probably in a, in a different place in you, terms of you would have been at odds, you, Or you would have been at odds. It would have been very fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we always seem to be in sync. So that's a good thing. That's, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So business school's about building that turning point. You come out of business school, you've got mm-hmm. you've got some new knowledge. You're you're, yeah. you're trying to get into VC like that, that's also something a lot of people eventually want to do is like try to figure out how to get into venture capital like how the heck did you actually do it? <laughs> well, so a couple of things. So obviously there's kind of the core skills and the and the courses that you have to take. Sure. I was also president of the VC uh, private equity club. So that helped quite a bit <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. in terms of, again, getting to know the players, getting to know the landscape and putting on events of value. And then as I was graduating, I was accepted as a Kaufman fellow class four. And it's great because it's really about accelerating your learning. I mean, by the time I went back to business school, I was slightly more mature. <laughs> so I was looking for a firm and for an opportunity where I could bring my operational background not only to the investing, but also to helping the portfolio companies. So that's for me, early stage was a great, great fit. So coming out, I was a Kaufman fellow and it was supposed to be a two year program. And fast forward 11 years, I was still doing it. And and it was everything that I thought it would be. And then some, but looking for kind of that reinvention number four. So what was the next platform? How do I take everything that I had learned and everything I loved, but actually use that to impact the lives of women around the globe? So small, small goal, <laughs> small, small goal you, it strikes me as an interesting situation, right? You were at a crossroads. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to business school because I want to be a venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. You invest a lot of time and, and money in making that happen. You're, you, you, you realize that dream. You become a venture capitalist for, for a decade. How do you realize that it's time to like not maybe give up, but move on onto the next mm-hmm. thing from that after you've have so much invested, I guess, in it? So I think it's, as you said, it's, it's definitely not give up. It is evolution and to go to the next level. And again, I don't think someone wakes up, maybe some people do, I didn't say, okay, yeah, I need something else. It's things start to reveal themselves. And it's also being, you know, keeping track and being in tune to, well, you know, are you passionate about what you're doing? Do you think that you're able to bring your whole self to the situation? Is this what you envision? And as you can tell, starting off, you know, working in a plant as a chemical engineer and then evolving <laughs> to a venture capitalist, this notion of learning and reinventing myself, it's just, it's in my DNA. That's how I'm wired. And so for me, it was, okay, I can't have all of these different circles. I can't you know, do my VC here and then silo what I'm super passionate about and then silo and then silo. It's like, you know, at this point in my life, I can find a way to knit it together. And it's hard. It's really hard. It's not like these things just drop out of the sky. So that's why maintaining your network and continuing to learn and having the skills and thinking about what's possible, almost like not shutting yourself off before you even need what's possible. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. But when you're on a mission, you got to just kind of keep that in mind and, and put a plan in place. We put a plan in place for every other facet of our life. Right. So what is the plan for you? 
and how are you going to get there? And then if you don't know what you don't know, who are you going to enroll in helping you get there? So I really do credit my mentors and my sponsors and people who were just vested and in, in helping me and providing guidance with where I am today. Give us your super ninja tips around building and maintaining a great network. Super ninja. You got yeah, it. Super, super, exa- duper. Exactly. So I think it comes back to, it starts with codifying who your network is. Like everybody loves to say, oh, I have a mentor or I need a mentor. What you need is a sponsor <laughs> and you need to know the difference between the two. So I learned really early on at PNG, I always give them all the, the props for this, about realizing what role someone plays in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, if someone came to me and said, Lisa, you know, how does one get into VC or how do I raise money? That is an ask that I can address as opposed to Lisa, how do I do whatever it is? My husband uh, is a deputy commissioner in the NBA. You know, how do, mm-hmm. how do we promote, you know, one of the leagues? That is something I can't do. So it's about having the right ask of the right person, yep. but also keeping that cadence, right? Staying connected. And it's about reciprocating, right? So it can't just be take, take, take. It's got to be what else can you provide or what ways can you enrich someone? And it's not the whole universe, right? It's that if you talk about ninja tips, it's kind of what's your personal karetsu, <laughs> the right. people that you go to for those different points. I mean, yeah. I was a first time CEO. I went and made sure I talked to who I thought were the most amazing folks in tech because that was a knowledge I didn't have. And I was smart enough to know I didn't have it. So who do I turn to for that advice? So that's what I mean by codifying your network. Who's your point expert? Who's your mentor? Who's your sponsor? Who's your connector? Because people want to inherently, they want to help. And therefore, you need to make your ask very specific. And so, and so your model here is a lot of it's going to companies themselves and having them provide this for the, the women within the company. Is that, am I reading that right? Yeah. That's kind of the model? So we have both. So any woman can come on land. And in fact, we have women from around the globe. Almost 20% of our users are international. So any woman can come on land at any time. But what companies are realizing is that this is no longer nice to have, right? So retaining, developing, and progressing your talent uh, is mission critical and a competitive advantage. The challenge is they actually don't have a way to do that at scale. So the other portion of our business model is enabling companies through giving their women the playbook because we do knit all those yummy elements together (laughs) to allow them to invest in a way with things that they know that work, but to touch more lives. And that could be they invest in people who've already been identified on the leadership track or the big, what I call the forgotten middle. So many times when you're a new hire, they give you lots of snacks and lots of love. And then for the most part, you get nothing in the middle. And if you make it through to the end, then you get the investment. Well, because of our model and the way we knit it together and with the leverage of technology, they're able to literally give us an email and make that investment to touch more lives so that we're live, so you don't have the leaky pipe issue. So what's, what strikes me as also interesting about this is like you started your career as an engineer on mm. the chemical engineering side, but then you started a, a software startup and you needed to build a product and you needed to work with software developers and software engineers. What was that like? How did you figure it out? Uh, like uh, how has been actually the building of the platform itself? Yes, fun and challenging at the same time. So when I started Landed, it really was just me on a full-time basis. And so as we were doing what everyone does when you're trying to find kind of that technical lead is we said, let's partner with 
uh, one of the ones that we know are the best. So we initially partnered with Pivotal Labs mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure that we were building with the end in mind. Well, one of the things we've talked about is like all the, the different pivotal moments in your life. If you mm. could go back and redo any of those pivotal moments of your career, would you do anything differently? No, absolutely not. No regrets. You, do, you don't. You don't strike me as somebody who would ever, who would ever want to redo. <laughs> absolutely not. Because whether it was the most amazing experience or through kind of the tough times, it's made me what I am today. And I definitely take something away from each of those. So I wouldn't change anything. Now I may have shortened some of the things, well, but I definitely <laughs> would not have changed. Well, well what, what was like? What was the tough time? Because like, I, you, like if you sit in from, I think a lot of the people listening's perspective is like, man, Lisa's awesome. Like she's done all these really amazing things. Like I have not chosen the path well traveled, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, being one of the only African American women in BC or working in the tide plant <laughs> on the line <laughs> right. or, or whatever, or trying to do early stage, you know, investing in, you know, 2008 or 2001. You, you're just always so. ahead of the time is what I'm reading here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. You should take that. Take no, that. like yes. you, you, you're ahead, ahead of, ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. No, I would, I mean, I, it's been far from easy, but what I am is relentless in terms of my <laughs> determination. And believe me, there are many, many times, even to this day, you know, where you get knocked down. I told someone that as an entrepreneur, you got to get really comfortable with daily failure <laughs> and what you take from that. So I think because of my choices, because it's been so challenging, again, let's remember uh, where I started. So going to, you know, coming out of New York, New Jersey, going, to, you know, into chemical engineering, I learned these things things. I absolutely learned them and I benefited from great sponsorship of people who saw something in me and wanted to believe. But no, easy would not be the word, <laughs> but determined. Absolutely. Well, and you, lots and lots of mistakes. Well, yeah. Lots so so you, you talked about that. Like in, since the time you've been working on Landit, like what's, what's like one of the major mistakes that sets out, like stands out for you as something you're like, man, that was a day where I had a lot of daily failure, a lot of failure that day. <laughs> Oh, how much time do we have? Well, <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, I would say some of the key ones, probably with, with anyone or, you know, a few hiring mistakes, not a lot because we're, sure. uh, we're smart, but definitely, you know, some bets that you would or wouldn't have made there. Certainly product iteration, right? So that in itself is by nature oh, is yeah. a daily iteration of failure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So wanting to get it right. And so making sure that you listen. So that's just an iterative process. And I think we've come out on the right side of that one in terms of, of the value that we bring. Just this notion of moving, you always want to move fast, right? You never yeah. feel like you're moving fast enough, even though you know people are like, whoa, you're moving at warp speed. So I think if I were to narrow it down, it really has to do with you know, making sure you're doing the right product iteration and making sure you are surrounding yourself with the best people, <laughs> period, period. Uh, that's great advice for anybody doing anything, honestly. Uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> Lisa, that's exactly right. you are somebody who has a tremendously busy schedule, so we appreciate you taking a few minutes and chatting with us and sharing all, all that you've learned with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, and it's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or hell, any place you listen to your podcasts. Thanks.